This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So we are in a series called Community. And we're focusing on relationships. Yay. It's important. It's critical. I'm sure you've all experienced uh, the joys of when relationships work. There's unity, there's connection, there's intimacy, you know, and it's a, a, like a, a little bit of a taste of heaven on earth. Uh, would you agree? When, 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 when it works, it's glorious, it's beautiful, whether it's friendships or marriage or, you know, or church environment, it is just, it's incredible when there is unity. And then on the, on the other side, when there's division and discord and continual fighting, say, in a marriage, eh, that's not fun. It's depressing. It is painful. It is, oh, it is just like, it just sucks the life out of, it just it steals one's energy. You know, uh, it's, it's not fun. And in that sense, you know, when, when there's division or miscommunication or missing one another, then it's just like, ah, terrible. Eh? There's a bit of hell on earth, unfortunately, when relationships break down. I always experienced that, a bit of a relational breakdown. It's painful. It's traumatic. It's like, ah, the heart feels like, man, it's not good. And when it comes to a church community, a, ch- a church community is supposed to be united. And, and when we are united, then we represent Jesus well. And the result of representing Jesus well is that people are drawn to Christ. But when a community is divided and we miss one another, then it's actually, it misrepresents God and it pushes people away from God. It's like people like, I don't want Jesus. If I look at the church community, I'm like, I don't want Jesus. Someone has said, you know, the church would be great if it just wasn't for the people. Yeah, and that's when you have uh, too many issues, too many, too many, too much stuff. You know, so this month we're talking about unity and connection and, and on, on, on every relational aspect of our lives. And so I've been around the, the block sufficiently that I've experienced the good, the bad, the ugly of relationships, church and wider. And I've come to the conclusion. I have discovered the primary problem, the relationship, the number one relationship killer. Man, I hate it when I see it myself, when it rises up within me. Uh, do you know what it is? The number one relationship killer. Come on, respond. Selfishness. Boom. Mic drop. Ah. Just claps at first time. Eh? Well done. Yes. Selfishness. Self-focus. Self-centeredness. Instead of Christ-centered. The moment we, um, when, when, when self rises up. And when I talk about self, I'm talking about the, the, the unredeemed self. The fleshly self. The me, myself, and I. My will be done. That thing, compared to Jesus, not my will be done, Lord, but yours. Massive difference. And unfortunately, all of us have this thing we're struggling with. Me, myself, and I. I want it my way. And that breaks relationships. That causes issues amongst People, whether it's church, community, friendships, work, relationships, marriage, on every level, when self rises up, it breaks down our relationships. It destroys our relationships. So my question today is, how can we solve this? How can we transition from being self-centered to being Christ-centered? How can we transition from me, myself, and I to others? Because it's easy to say it. It's another thing to actually live it, do it, 
and make that transition. And so I want to unpack that today to show you how you and I can make that transition. So let's start in James chapter 3. Let's look at self a little bit. You see, when, when self rules, relationships suffer. When self rules, relationships suffer. So if you are having relational problems, there's a very, very good chance that you're the problem. Self is the problem. Very good possibility. 90% possibility that if you're having relational breakdown, it's you. Come on, say it, it's me. <laughs> Starting with the bad news already. Boom. It's you. It's you, okay? No, it's not the other one. It's probably you. So if you read the scriptures, the bottom line is this. Selfishness is the root problem of 99% of all unscriptural attitudes and actions. If you go all through all the scriptures, you'll come to conclusion 99% of all unscriptural attitudes and actions can all be traced back to me. Selfishness, self. Me, myself, I. And so we see this in James chapter 3, verse 15. So I'm just going to lay a foundation quickly concerning self. And then we're going to look at the solution for the sake of our relationships. So it says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Okay, so what's jealousy? Jealousy is like, um, it reveals a, a bit of insecurity and a sense of, you feel like you're lacking something, and it leads to resentment and even anger towards other people. But again, it's being self-centered. Jealousy. For jealousy and then selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. In other words, when that is our source, our motivation, selfishness, self-centeredness, jealousy, those kind of things, it leads to something that is not God's wisdom. We might Clothed in Christianese, we might justify in a whole lot of ways. We might say, this is for God, this is for Jesus, this is for what? But, but if the root is self, the source is, is bad and will lead to trouble. It says they, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Gives the enemy access. You see a little bit of hell on earth when This is present. It says, for wherever there is jealousy, verse 16, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You will find disorder, division, and evil of every kind. So a house divided, a marriage divided, that's a place where the enemy is working. Evil will be present. When, when, when the division is the invite to the enemy to come in. And so we need to evaluate ourselves. What, what, what's happening within us? What is motivating us? What is moving us? And, you know, it's like you become a target for the enemy when self rises up. Let's say you're in a, a, in, in a shootout and the other guy's trying to shoot you. So when self is not present, you're behind the wall, you're protected. But the moment self rises up, it's like you're putting your, sticking your head out behind the wall and you get shot in the head or rather in the heart. Cause that's what happened. When self is present, we get offended. Every little thing offends us, triggers us, makes us angry because self is ruling. Self is reigning. And when self is reigning, our relationships suffer. So I was listening to a message uh, by Bill Johnson, uh, which I, I really believe is a, a God, very godly man and an inspiration to many people. But he shared in one of his messages that often when he, like he's on, a, on an airport and he, and he would share like he's, he's walking somewhere and then someone would stop him, confront him. And he doesn't know the person, but they would start accusing him, like saying yeah, that, that is claim, you know, accusing him of being evil. And that he's doing terrible things to the body of Christ. And ultimately, he's going to go to hell. You know, and they would just climb into him. You know, it'd be like a young person, maybe 25 years old. He's in his 60s. He's been in the ministry for 40 years. He's laying down his life for the kingdom of God. 
And then some nitwit <laughs> comes and <laughs> who thinks they know. And I, I just love his response. You know, he's just, he he's really is a very kind and godly and humble and forgiving kind of person. And he just says to himself, I have no right to be offended. So he forgives and he moves on. And I love that. I have no right to be offended. You see, but when self reigns, you'll be offended. You have resentment, ungodly anger, even hatred. Because you're vulnerable when self reigns. And when self reigns, then you pick up these things in your relationships, in your marriage or your friendships or your work environment. It just adds, 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 adds. And there's more and more of these things that build up and causes ultimately us to become less godly than we should be. And so we see this um, same kind of thing amongst the early disciples, that first 12 that Jesus chose. Now, I can imagine how they were like, they would have been psyched. I mean, here is the Messiah. Here is God who became flesh. They seen miracles. They seen crowds coming in. Jesus is talking about reigning and ruling with him. They are seeing visions of grandeur. I mean, even God is doing miracles through them, and they're so excited. I, you know, they said, incredible things are happening. And in the midst of that, self was rising as well. And we see this in them, that the enemy within was beginning to rise up. And we can see that playing out. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied him. The others fled when Jesus was captured and taken to the cross Self, self-preservation, self. Eh, God's super apostles. That eh, gives us hope. Eh? Gives all of us a bit of hope. But so that's where they, so in the midst of all these wonderful things, self was rising up. And Jesus was wanting to deal with self. So we see this in Luke chapter 9, where the disciples were actually arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? Can you imagine that? How about missing Jesus? It says, then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. You see, today, at least we know how not to speak. We, we, we know how to seem humble, don't we? Yes, brother, all glory to God. So today we know how to, to say the right words and, 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 and speak in a way that looks humble. But what's happening beneath? What's below? And so Jesus answers there, but Jesus knew their thoughts, verse 47. So he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. So I think Jesus is trying to explain to them, if you want to deal with self, the negative self, the fleshly self, then you need to value someone as invaluable in society's eyes as a little child above yourself. Because it's easy to esteem someone important in society's eyes as important. And Jesus is saying, no. If you want to kill self, if you want to get rid of self, you need that the test is, can you value others above yourself? Especially seemingly insignificant others, like say a child. Are you, are you seeing others? Are you valuing others? Or are you just me, myself and I, self-centered? And then he says, whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. So what does that mean? I believe it means that those of you where self is the least in terms of the negative, sinful, fleshly self, the, the, in those of you where self is the least, Christ will be the most. And he is great. <laughs> and he is glorious. Amen. I don't know if you've, if you've discovered this, but you know, as I'm growing older in God, I have discovered this, I've, I've had this revelation that whenever something is working beautifully, it really is Jesus. And when it's not working, it's me. I tell you, that's a profound revelation. 
profound revelation. <laughs> it immunizes you from the worship of self. It immunizes you from being self-sainted. And it positions you in a place where you can honestly, I mean, it's easy to say, well, glory to God. But it's a different thing to say, well, really, honestly, glory to Jesus. I know I am nothing without him. Are we, have you received that revelation? Have you discovered how small and insignificant and powerless and useless you are without Jesus? Because until you discover that, God can't really use us. He, he won't be glorified because self will think, oh, that's me. No. No, it's him. When it works, it's him. And when it's not working, it's you. The least among you, whoever is the least will be the greatest. And John the Baptist, he goes also, and he, he says in, in John 3.30, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less, that I is that self. Less of me, more of him. Dying to self, more of Jesus. You see, self is the Christ blocker and relationship killer. Self. My will be done. Compared to God, no, your will be done. Not my will be done, but yours be done. You see, there's a transition from my will be done to God, your will be done. And how do we transition from there to there? That's what I want to answer today. I want to give you the key how you and I can move from the I, the sinful self, the fallen me, the old me, to the surrendered will. How do we transition from there to there? And I, I feel the Lord is... Reveal to me probably what I, I believe is this is the this is the key. It's called the furnace. It's called the furnace of life and the furnace of faith. Come on, say furnace. The furnace of faith, the furnace of life. So I want to. Some of you have been with us over the last year or two. Some of you are maybe new. I'm going to unpack a little bit of this last year of what God has done. This is. Been the, probably the toughest year that I have experienced in leadership ever. I believe as a church community, it's been our toughest in the 13 years that we've been here, the toughest yet. And so we have said yes to Jesus. We said, Lord, we're going to follow you, God. We want you to be glorified. We want miracle signs and wonders, God. We want revival, God willing to break out in our city, God. We want you to do great things through us. We've said yes. To Jesus. But in the process when you say yes to Jesus. There is a furnace that God wants to take us through. To kill self. To die to self. So that more of Jesus can manifest. Through us. So this has been our year. Of coming to the cross. (laughs) Coming to the cross. This is our year as a community of coming to the cross to die to self. You see, resurrections on the other side, but you need to come to the cross. So I want to just share a few stories and highlight some things that God is doing in me and Sonic as well. I'm just going to touch on a few things. I tell you, I can give you a list of furnaces that is just horrific. But so the first one I want to touch on is uh, Jean-Pierre and Kim's story. So most of you would know. So at the age of 32, Kim was diagnosed with cancer, um, breast cancer, went through surgery, chemo, and about a, you know, a year and a half later, the cancer resurfaced. And uh, I remember that Sunday morning I met her at the kids' church she was dropping off her kids and i asked her kim how are you doing and i could see she's not doing well she just broke down weeping and i you know i just just held her i was also just crying but you know something happened there when when i just saw her pain and i saw the kids and we really love jean pierre and kim and, and that was the moment because you know see the, the furnace of life is the cancer that's come but now in the midst of that coming, 
I said yes to the furnace of faith. (laughs) I said yes to, okay, we're going to fight this. I said, we're going to, we're going to trust Jesus to heal you. We're going to step out and trust God to do a miracle in your life. And in that moment, in that extreme adverse circumstance of cancer coming in, the medical is not going to help anymore. We're going to trust in Jesus. And I knew that if this doesn't work out, I'm leading us as a church through a whole lot of pain. A whole lot of pain. But I was just like, Jesus, you the healer. That's who you are. You're faithful. You're good. And God, what if, what if Jesus shows up? What if he heals her? What if the kingdom of God comes? Man, Jesus will be glorified. And so it became worse and worse. And beginning of this year, we scheduled like five evenings yet. Every Tuesday evenings, five Tuesday evenings. And she would be, you know, the cancer would be all over her neck. She couldn't like stop battling to breathe. And it was just really bad. And she'd lie on the mattress. And yeah, man, I tell you, every time we do this, I'm dying. Yeah, some of you were, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's the furnace. It's the furnace. We're trusting Jesus to show up. And it's like every Tuesday, we're back and we trust him. We're proclaiming who he is. He's good. He's faithful. He's the healer. And we pray and we see the tears and we see the, you know, you, you're just dying. You know, you don't know how. It's just the furnace. But God, you're good. The fifth evening, and nothing's happening. She's not getting better. And I just, okay, God, who are you going to be to us, Lord? Who are you going to be to us in this? And I just heard the voice of God say, I'm going to be your comforter. And I'm like, no, no, that's the wrong word. I'm not looking for that. I want the healer. I'll be your healer. Now, that was the fifth night. The next week end or the next week, the elders and us, we were at JP and Kim's house. We're praying again. And he's lying on that mattress and we just all, we're in the furnace worshiping Jesus. God, you're good. You're the healer. You're faithful. Do this for your glory. I was still like, man, come on. Jesus, you're good. Show up. And then the following week, Easter Friday, doctors said she had maybe a few days to live. And that Easter Friday morning, a whole bunch of this church community were there at the house from 8 o'clock that morning until after 3, hour after hour, worshiping, praying, comforting, They were in the furnace, the furnace of life and the furnace of faith. And in the same moment, there's so much pain and so much, ah, this is not nice. And yet God is so close, the comforter, with us, there, with us, in the furnace. And five past three, that Friday, Easter Friday, she died. And she was graduated from this world into heaven. And the guys were still worshiping and still praying and still, you know, Jesus died at three o'clock on Easter Friday and Kim died five minutes after three. For me, that is just like, that is prophetically where we as a church have been through this year. We have come to the cross. We've come to the cross. And then what happens after now, now after someone's died, now you're in the, just the furnace of life. It's just like, how do you deal with this? How do you handle this? So with Jean-Pierre, who's on staff with us and an elder, you know, I have cried more tears this year than I have ever cried. So just sitting with Jean-Pierre, just sitting with JP, you know, just, what do you say? You just cry together. You just cry together. And you're in that furnace, but you know that he's good. (laughs) You know that he's faithful. And so in that furnace is where God changes us, changes us, changes us. If you go through the furnace without him, it will kill your faith. If you go through the furnace with him, he burns away self. And you receive a purified faith, a beautiful faith, a beautiful faith. You know, and I realized like, you know, we've said, yes, God, we want, we want your glory, God. We want the miracles, God, for your glory. We want the kingdom of God to come. And that saying yes to that is saying, Lord, yes to the furnace. (laughs) Yes to going through stuff. But I tell you, the depth of relationship that we are experiencing, the depth of connection, you know, on Tuesday we had a staff meeting and, and it was my birthday this week and 
so we had a like in our staff meeting we just you know honor one another and say so they were just saying uh, good stuff good stuff you know things that you say on someone's funeral you know that that's the kind of stuff that we were saying yeah so now it was like jean pierre and me and then a bunch of ladies and then so the two men are like crying you know <laughs> but the depth of relationship and connection it's incredible when self goes through the furnace there is something so beautiful that happens on the other side it's the duality of on the one hand pain and on the other hand god draws near in an incredible way it's beautiful i i wouldn't give it up for anything you see in the furnace of faith we find our savior in that furnace god i still believe god i still trust in you that is when our faith is not destroyed but we come through it stronger than ever self will always sabotage the work of god and so we need these kind of things and all of us are going through stuff at times my question is are we embracing it or are we missing it are we trying to sidestep it or are we saying god i'm going through it with you amen it's the duality the challenge of life so 1 corinthians 12 speaks of the body of christ that each one of us are connected to the other parts each one of us we one body so if the foot is hurting you're feeling it because it's your body and if one is exalted then i'm celebrating we are we are one so it says that this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other when we realize that if one is suffering we are suffering it says if one part suffers all the parts suffer with it and if one part is honored all the parts are glad so there's no envy there's no envy it's like no, like if somebody else is blessed it's i am blessed because because we're one we're one and if one is suffering then we're all suffering and it's been so beautiful this year how the community has come around those who have who have um experienced pain so there's no envy there's no jealousy and so here's the challenge of the furnace we all experience it but in general the furnace divides because we want to blame somebody you want to blame the other person because you're causing me pain if it's a person you want to blame others the, the furnace often leads to division if we don't ha- handle it right so i'm gonna interview jess in a moment in a few minutes but when her husband was was murdered about four and a half months ago you know since that time we have been experiencing incredible opposition and stuff my wife and i just like stuff so my wife started to struggle to sleep like badly like terrible like for months so it's still not a hundred percent sorted but so the first few weeks i was like still sort of patient you know <laughs> like okay i'm praying we're focusing and i'm praying some more and i'm but after a few weeks i am so tired because <laughs> she's up and out and then praying again and then and she's emotional and there's just stuff it's like and it's getting worse and worse and we're all getting worse and i'm like i am so over it so i am like can, woman can you please sleep obviously that doesn't help <laughs> that makes it worse there's like more guilt and she's feeling bad because she's keeping me out of also sleeping and so she's feeling ashamed and guilty and and i was just and it was bringing division so now we're having now we are missing one another because i am like upset because can you just stop being emotional and sleep you know (laughs) and then i remembered again what the revelation we received some years ago when we're struggling with stuff i i i got this revelation you know we are one so it's not she that's struggling to sleep it's us it's us 
And the moment I made that switch, it is us. Unity. Presence of God. Blessing. Comfort. Strength. And so many of us fall for that. We blame the other one. We should know. It's us. Come on, say it. It's us. So ladies, if you possibly bump the car or something, you can come to your husband and say, honey, we bumped the car. (laughs) We bumped the car. And you just note 14th of November sermon, honey, go, go, just let go listen again. Go listen again. We, we. But I tell you the power of unity. When you're in the furnace and you're feeling pain, if you start blaming the other, it will divide. But if you say, no, it's us. Doesn't matter what the other one's struggling with. If there's an addiction, now we have an addiction problem. We have this issue. We. Come on, say we. This is the key. This is loyalty. This is what Psalmaker spoke about last Sunday. Loyalty is to say it's us. There's issues in the church community. You want to blame somebody else? No, it's us. We have a problem. We have a challenge. We going through stuff. It's not they or them. It's us. This is the test for unity. This is the test. This is the, the, when, when that moment comes, you need to say to us. Okay, so Jace, come and join me. Hallelujah. Let's give her a hand. It takes so much courage for her to to come and share with us. Um, but I, I, I wanted to. God actually did an incredible miracle in her, and I, that's where we want to get to to share with you what what God did. So on the scale of furnaces, of suffering, of pain, this is. A hundred out of a hundred. This is probably as bad as it can get. So about four months ago, four and a half months ago, um, Daryl, her husband, um, he went to confront some guys who were trespassing on their farm roads and something went wrong and he was stabbed and he died. And uh, it's been wild. It's been really, really challenging. So Jess... Um, just share with us a bit of your struggles and what, what you know, what has been happening in you and your family. Okay. Um, yeah, I just actually want to say that I don't normally look like this because some days are a complete mess. Um, and, yeah, the tears that I've cried are rivers and oceans. It's, yeah, um, really, really been hard. I think one of the hardest things is really coming to terms and accepting that the enemy has stolen from us. Um, My two girls are two and six. So to look at them and know that they don't have their dad anymore and he had so much to give them and we still had so much life to live and dreams and plans that were all just taken away from us. So that has really, really been a huge struggle um, for us as a family. And then Daryl and I met when I was 15, so we've really been together, and he's all I've ever known. So now to be alone has also been a huge struggle for me. Justin, how do I do this? Um, anxiety, fear has been creeping in a lot. Um, can I parent the girls on my own? Can I provide for them? He was our provider. He was the head of the home. Can I do this without him? Um, he also left the farm running with all its entities, with yeah, with the staff. And how do you take that on and manage it to make decisions? So all of that has really been a tremendous struggle for us. And uh, yeah, I can only imagine. <clears throat> and I think you also said that you know you felt like a, a woundedness of your heart, like your heart was broken. You know, so maybe just share with us a bit about that. And yes, yeah, so um, since the evening that I found out 
about my husband. Literally, it was as if a dagger went into my heart. And we use the term heartbroken so often as growing up, but I didn't realize that it was an actual physical pain. And it really felt like my heart was ripped in two. And since that day, I've been living with this really sharp pain in my heart um, every day. And, yeah, it's... Okay, and so you came to the School of the Supernatural that weekend, and there's something beautiful. God did something beautiful in you. So share a bit with us. Yeah, I just want to say that in the midst of all this pain, um, God has shown himself his love, his comfort in ways that I could not imagine. And his voice has been so much louder in this time than ever before. So, um, and that's all just to keeping your eyes fixed on him during this pain and struggle. And in the mess and in the crying is just to keep seeking his face. So I came to the supernatural school of the supernatural healing. And on the Friday evening during worship, I was really just soaking in God and I really felt him touch my head and just fill me completely with his love. And then a friend came over and started praying for me. And as soon as she touched my shoulder, it was as if God literally stitched my whole heart completely together. Um, the pain was gone. I felt so free. I felt so light. I was like, oh, is this how it feels to be a bit normal again? Um, it was so incredible. And since that day, I have not had that sharp pain in my heart um, since then, which is incredible. And a word that I also received was that God's making me whole again. And that as a family, we're not going to lack in any way. And yeah, I really just feel that over our lives, that God is doing such an amazing work in us. Um, he is good despite what happened. Um, yeah, so we just give him the glory. Amen. And you also say that with the fear, the anxiety, God also just removed that. That weekend, that, that when God touched you, he like removed the fear and the anxiety as well. So that is awesome. Come on, let's give Jesus praise for that. That is awesome. And, and what I realize is with Jesus' situation, on the scale of disappointment, of pain, it's up there at max. And then I'm thinking of so many of us who have 10% of that level of pain. And there is so many people that are offended, bitter, angry, disillusioned with God. And then we experience small levels of pain. And what I realize with what they have been going through, that when you go through the furnace, but with God, with the Lord, with community, you know, because you haven't disconnected, you've been part, people have been there with you. But there is a place in God. Even though we go through the worst kinds of storms and furnaces, there is a place in Jesus that when you come through on the other side, your faith is not shot. You don't become an unbelieving believer because he heals you and restores you. So I want to release that over all of us, that God, doesn't matter what you've been through, he wants to heal you and restore you. Amen. Awesome. Thanks. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Well done. So proud of you. It's incredible. Courageous woman of God. Amen. So this is the verse I want to bring to our attention. The key to going through the furnace, but to allow self to be burnt away, but not your faith to be killed. Psalm 91, verse 2. It says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. Come on, say refuge. My place of safety. He is my God. And I trust him. There is a place of refuge. It's called the secret place. There's a place of refuge, a place of rest on the inside, a place of protection on the inside. Although there might be a storm on the outside, although there might be a furnace raging around us, there's a place of rest and protection 
And it's finding that place of refuge in God. And when we're in that place, although there's pain and although there are tears and although there might be disappointment, in that place, God draws near. We experience his comfort, the comfort of heaven. And the Lord restores us. And he brings us through stronger than ever. And so at the School of the Supernatural, that Saturday morning, Hink was preaching about, you know, overcoming disappointments. And I was like, oh, I don't know if it's the right session. You know, we trust in God for miracles. And I'm like, really didn't feel any disappointment in my heart. <laughs> you know, and, and in that session, I actually shared this for those who weren't there. I want to update you. So for 11 years, my wife and I have been trusting God for a second child. We've had promises. We've been trusting God for a second child. And so earlier this year, my wife is now 45. Earlier this year, we felt the Lord say to us, stop, let it go. And so that's what we have now done. We have handed over our understanding of the promises. 11 years. I tell you, I just... Uh, at the School of the Supernatural, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And at the end of the message, I was just, I'm not fine. It was just like the Holy Spirit just flooded into my heart and just like, I am so disappointed. I am so disappointed. I was like, how can we not have, I mean, it felt like someone has died that hasn't been yet. We had a name, we had name, we had a baby room ready. We had names on the wall. We had everything. We have proclaimed, we have spoken about it. We've written about it. We have declared our trust in God. And here we are. The dream did not play out like we wanted it to. And so this year is our year of coming to the cross. (laughs) Do you know what? Our faith is stronger than ever. Self is dying. There's something about the furnace of faith. For 11 years, we were in the furnace of faith, trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus, trusting Jesus. And now it looks different. It looks different. Sonic is going to share about this beginning next year. So she, she'll update you on her side. I think I was more disappointed than her. <laughs> but the thing I realized was this is the thing that came home to me. It's like, Andre, this is not about you. (laughs) This is what came home to me. Andre, this is not about your desires. This is not about your plans. This is not about your ideas. I just felt God say to me, no, it's about him. It's about his glory. It's about him being magnified. It's about, it's about his glory. And if it's going to be about his glory, then self needs to die. Self needs to die. And there's something about being in that furnace of faith. It's like you, you're there and you're there and it's like, oh, it's burning. It's burning. It's, we're going to still trust, still trust. Come on. We're going to still trust. We pray. We fast. We, we, we step out and we trust in God for that miracle. And maybe you've been through something of trusting the Lord and it didn't play out like you were hoping for. But I realize that God calls us to trust. The miracle is in his hands. But he calls us to trust. Hebrews 11. It says some saw <laughs> the miracle. Some died without seeing the miracle. But they were wo- both pleasing God. Are we going to please God? Are we going to go through the furnace with him? And have a purified faith on the other side? Or are we going to go through the furnace, disillusioned, offended, bitter, angry, and I'm never going to trust again. Now, we are like, we're going to trust God more. That's why I love doing the school of the supernatural at the end of this year, like we did in October. It's like, are you crazy? I'm like, yes. Yes. Because Jesus doesn't change. He is still good. He is still faithful. He is still the miracle worker. Even when we have disappointments in our lives. But he is wanting us to die to self so that only he would get the glory. 
And you, you can't get there without going through the furnace. You have to go through the furnace. Amen. Come on, say furnace. Furnace. You know, so, so even BCM is trying, that's now our local municipality. They're trying to get in on the act. They're like, man, you guys are having such a beautiful furnace. So let me, let me, let us help. Let us help. We want to add to that. So we recently received a water bill of 65,000 rand. Us personally. At home. I'm like, okay, so showering with the bucket every time and then flushing the toilet seems not to be helping at all. Anyway, Jesus will, <laughs> will figure it out. It's just when it's raining, man, it's pouring. And I'm like, Jesus, do it. Just change me. Just change us, God. Just burn it away until there's nothing left of me. It's just you. God is doing a beautiful work in us. We have come to our cross. My final verse, I want to read, ending off with this. Isaiah 43. You see, sometimes the furnace of life is actually the furnace of relationships. It's how people treat us, what people say, people disappoint us. Often it's just people. And then how we respond to them. And so I was reading this verse and I'm like, man, I have, I have recently heard this verse some way. Can you pick up where this comes from? Isaiah 43. Anybody? But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob. First episode of the Chosen series. This is what Jesus spoke spoke of Mary Magdalene when she turned to him. And he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have chosen you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. He has called you. He has chosen you. And yes, the furnace of life will come. But he's saying, I'm going to be with you in That thing. I'm going to be with you in the pain. I'm going to be with you in the suffering. I'm going to be with you in the disappointment. And in the midst of that furnace, you're going to experience the comfort of heaven like never before. And this is what for me is this year is like, on the one hand, I've never cried as much. On the other hand, I'm experiencing the comfort and the presence of God like I have not before. The duality of this walk with God. It's incredible. The furnace. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. Because there's a fourth man in the furnace. With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a fourth man, the son of man. He's with us in the fire, and you shall not be burned. When you find your refuge in him. When you bring your pain to a God who is good and not the author of the pain, not the author of death, not the author of destruction. He's the author of good. But in this life, we will have stuff. The furnace of faith. And he is faithful. The furnace of life destroys our faith outside of taking refuge in Jesus. The furnace of faith leads to bitter disappointment if we don't realize that faith is our part, but the answer is in God's hands. And the one thing that I said, it's not about you. It's not about you. And this is what happened to the disciples when Jesus went to the cross. Do you know what happened to them? They also went to the cross. They died. They died to self. And when they came through the cross, Came through the other side. Self died. Unity came. And then the power of God could manifest. And revival could break out to shake cities. It's only on the other side of the cross that you have resurrection life. If you go for resurrection life without coming to the cross, it will blow up. And there's so many people that preach it. God wants to bless you. Yes, he wants to bless you. But you first need to die. You first need to surrender. The surrendered will, then you can experience the blessing of God. And currently, so many people preaching a false gospel because it's half a gospel. 
God wants to bless you. No, but when you realize it's not about you. You know what happens? Then you realize, no, no, it's not God serving me. It's me serving God. I'm his servant. And that's where we need to get to if he's going to be glorified. That's where we need to step into. So that self will not hijack what God wants to do. So we are coming to a cross this year. But I tell you, resurrection life is coming. Now we are tasting, we're tasting, we're tasting, we're seeing, experiencing the goodness of God. So I just want to mention this five things. If you want to die well, just want to mention it. Graham Cook said his mentor told him, Graham, no one likes to hear you scream. Die quietly. <laughs> Amen. Now that's dying well. So how do we die well? Yeah, there are five things. Just put it on there. Deny self. Don't feed self. Choose to deny yourself every day. And it's the small things of our, in our relationships. Your wife wants to watch a chick flick and you want to watch something else. So what do you do? You watch the chick flick and you cry, man. You die. You die to self. Deny self. Put the other person's deal before yours. Secondly, own your, st- your stuff. Stop blaming others. If you're experiencing relational pain and relational disconnection stuff, it's probably you. So humble yourself and ask for feedback. Ask your wife, honey, uh, just one, just, just one thing. Not the whole list of 55 things that I should change. Just give me one thing that I need to work on. Just give me one thing. Give me feedback. Okay, own your stuff. Stop blaming others. Ask for feedback. Let go of your, your ego. Apologize wherever you can. Number three, humble yourself often. Share your weaknesses, your failures, your sins. No one loves perfection. People want to, and it's good for you when you share your stuff. Jesus is perfect. We are not. Number four, choose us. It's always us. Somebody else causing you pain? No, it's us. We. We are struggling with something, whether it's an addiction or whatever else. And then lastly, it's not about you. It's not about you. And there's this miracle that happens in that furnace when you realize it's not about me. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.